0: wow i could really use current i also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales i guess i'll just go to their website at current.tech ladies and gentlemen on behalf of the california angels and the city of los
1: angeles on the occasion of her majesty's royal visit please welcome internationally renowned opera star enrico palazzo
0: Yes, he's in the Intensive Care Ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle.
2: Utah! Give me two! What's up, everybody? Michael Govier here. It's a Plotso Podcast, Guest two L's, two Z's. Me and Benjamin Chase, we're here every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern time doing the Prospects Power Half Hour. Today, we got a guest. You can see him live if you're watching right now. He is Mr. Chris Welch. Is it the Welsh from in this league, from everything? He's all over the place. Fantasy pros, yada, yada, yada. This is such a pleasure to have you on for our quick half hour show talking first year player draft situations and scenarios that we might run into. What's up, dude? What's up? Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Nice to
3: see Benjamin. Nice to see you, Mr. Govier, who I, didn't I, I saw you for like a half a minute over at, uh, at the first pitch conference, right? Did I see you this time? Sure. We
2: absolutely did. Uh, yeah, I, I don't remember we anything. We definitely, I don't remember anything anymore. I sat, <laughs> I sat behind you when we watched a day game. That's right. Uh, do you remember that game? And it was game. an afternoon game. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we at did at Scottsdale double
3: Stadium. We were hanging out watching the games. I love being around Michael Govier. Benjamin is very nice to hang out and meet you and do all of this. I'm excited to talk the bees ball. Yay! So cool.
4: yeah, I, just man, hear, man,
2: I just got to hear... you're excited because he's a big to, deal. Uh, yeah.
4: Well, and I just got to hear uh, Chris on his newest gig. Uh, I was just listening yesterday to the Rates and Barrels podcast. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of your newest gig that you just started up this last week. So... Right. This is your first week doing that. Am I wrong?
3: Yeah. Yeah. That what? was the first one. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. Hey, here's the deal. I've explained this to everybody. Um, obviously, I'm, you know, attempting my best to make all of this my career. My former career is no longer a career. and uh, But I'm currently in a situation where I'm, uh, I'm like a, uh, a foster dog. But I have amazing <laughs> fosters right now. I haven't found my forever home. My forever home is in this league, but that's not going to pay all the bills. But I have these great, amazing foster parents. One of them being uh, the athletic with the rates and barrels, which I will be on every Tuesday. I just did a CBS show as well. I do CBS. And uh, of course, you can catch me over on Fantasy Pros multiple times a week. So it's a lot of stuff. I'm like literally doing a whole bunch. So if you don't like me, it's an absolute nightmare for you. Fantasy
4: Baseball. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! I, I didn't know about
2: that. That's great news. You are a yeah. nightmare, but you're my kind of nightmare. I would go hey. into dream world with you anytime.
3: Hey, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. It's a uh, lucid dream with me. Keep you keep you knowing <laughs> what's going on.
2: <laughs> All right. If you guys have comments, drop them in the live chat here. We'll throw them at you. If you got questions, we'll try to answer them here over the next half hour. Like I said, we're going to talk about first year player draft. Now, I really think, oddly enough, even though, The Dynasty content is probably as most prevalent as it's ever been at this time. And I think it'll actually still become even more prevalent. More people will be talking about Dynasty baseball. Prospects are becoming more popular. I truly believe this. There still is a slight hole, in my opinion, for FYPD in terms of, well, first off, free content I think is really hard to find with FYPD. You can pay and get some FYPD content. But Chris, what's your take on this and getting access to first-year player draft analysis?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, <clears throat> to your point, like I have first year player ranks on my, I have a Patreon in this league.com where I do top 500 prospects. I do my dynasty list. Uh, dynasty list is also on the athletic now. And I have first year player ranks that are there. And I do like separate first year player ranks in this own sheet. And I actually like to build it out. Like it's a draft. So when you look at the overall, you also can look at the players by rounds. And then I insert those guys in the top 500, but to your point, it is behind a technical paywall. You know, that's how I'm trying to do in the industry. And a lot of other people are doing that. So yeah, I would say that like, if you're looking for extensive first year player, you're not going to find a ton outside of free, but, you also want to support the people that are really, really invested in it. The more that it becomes more mainstream and it's out there, you've just got to hope that there are people that are invested in understanding it. But yeah, I think always like you want, you'd want to see as much content as you possibly can for free and accessible podcasts are the way to go. If you can process. And I know that's like, what's difficult for a lot of people is like, processing the stuff as you're listening to it the amount of times i've had people tell me like hey could you stop and like repeat maybe 12 times over what you just you know they want me to keep repeating (laughs) names and names and names and it's like i can't it's a podcast so it's a lot more work for you guys to do um that you're listening or anything like that but yeah sure you always want more and there definitely is more people in the space that are doing that but it's not Mm -hmm. as prevalent like specific first-year player content is not as prevalent as the amount of people that are ranking prospects for fantasy now
2: yeah, Ben, you'd agree with that. Ben, you're working on some FYPD yeah. stuff right now, aren't you?
4: And I'm not sure when it's coming out. It's sitting there waiting to be uh, published for Rotoballer. I've, I've submitted it and with all the, um, I mean, I've, I've published it with all the analysis and everything else, but once again, that's, uh, you know, not free content either. Uh, the rankings part is. You know, the number, you know, just the names and ranks are, but the analysis that goes with it, you actually have to pay in order to see. So you can that's see right. the name next to a number, but you can't see why I put the names in that order unless you pay f- to read the rest of the article. So, I mean, that's, you know, like to that point, yeah, the free stuff out there, you see names and numbers maybe, but you don't get the why is that guy there? And well, that's why you Podcast, hope like what you guys you are doing get some here.
3: And that's what you do, like what you guys are doing here. Like I've done, I did like one specific first year player uh, episode on my uh, Prospect One show, but I didn't do like Mm -hmm. extensive ones through that. We'll talk about them and stuff. So I think it's good that you're doing this and these are the type of things. I mean, hey, listen, like paying for everything sucks, but you also like want the people that you really like to keep going. And you want to, if you want to keep getting the content and people be able to do it, like you do have to like have a stand and support people sometimes.
2: So that's that's what's crazy. Damn right. Absolutely, man. I have never, a yeah, there you go. A lieutenant who paid. He paid you because he loves you <laughs> in bogs. And it's, I love him. It's, yeah, clearly love is strong. It's very, very strong. I want to consider the notion when it comes to speed of return. When you drafted a FYPD, what do you expect? Of course, it's context-driven with your team. You could draft in a way that you could try to win a title now, as everybody knows, and Chris has said this a million times, you know, Dynasty, you don't have to wait around to win a title. You can win all the time. You can win when you want to. So how do you weigh when you're doing a FYPD when in terms of how quick will that person get to the majors in the overall context of your team build?
3: I'd say like I tend to be the person that I just want the best player. Like I don't focus on like proximity. I don't focus on them being really far away. I don't focus on like, Hey, I need a catcher to replenish my system or I need a pitcher. I just want to have the best players. So if that is drafting a high school guy over a college player, yeah, I want, I'm playing talent. So that's always my best guess. Now, obviously like there could be circumstantial stuff where take this first year player class, a guy like Brooks Lee, you know, I got lots of speed around and stuff, and I'm looking for a guy that could help me within the next 12 months. Like Brooks Lee might be more valuable than say Cam Collier, who is probably at least three years away with the Reds, who also have a whole bunch of guys that are kind of like hovering around that third base, uh, maybe even first base territory where he could be. Okay. That could be something you could weigh out. I personally have Cam Collier higher because I think, He is an incredible talent, has incredible bat speed, great extension, uh, a really good quality hitter, and is going to tap into even more power. And he reclassified in this last draft class. So, like, from the talent perspective, I really want him. But Brooks Lee makes it it look easy. I mean, he's got easy power, probably not much stolen base potential. So, like, I wouldn't hurt or kill anybody for, like, weighing, hey, I can get two more years out of production out of Brooks Lee when there's more questions with Cam Collier. But I am a pure value-based person when it comes specifically to first-year player because I can trade them if I want. I can trade them off if I want, and I can get other pieces. What? You're not
2: stuck with these people forever? What the hell is mean, going I'm, on around here? I'm
3: a horrible I, trader. I, I'm such a bully. when I'm not a bully. I'm stubborn as hell when it comes to trades because everybody like knows how I value stuff, and everybody wants to rip me off. Nobody. Everyone wants me to overpay. It is impossible for me, and I've really become incredibly stubborn with how I do trades. And I'm usually more stuck with my guys than anything else. If I'm being honest,
2: <laughs> <The stubborn laughs> that's hilarious. Act. And by the way, yeah. I would give you a shout out. I, you did do the first year player draft for the first was the first four rounds with the Fantrax Tool Shed with Mister Eric Cross, who yes. loves Cam Collier. Speaking of a Cam Collier obsessed person, but uh, I think you. Uh, you drafted Nito that day. Is that correct? You recall doing oh, that? Love. And Zach I Nito. followed yeah, suit cool. strictly because I like you, and I'm like, you know what? This makes a lot of sense. My first FYPD of the year, I took Zach Nito. NATO. What, Nato.
3: Pick? what pick? I I, I call him Zach Nito, but that was uh, I believe it was pick nine. Ooh, so sexy. That's such a good place. That's a great value. Yeah, that's I mean, he's yeah! like. I've likened some of the um, skill set to, like, Royce Lewis. Uh, and it, part of it is because, like, he has this, like, fr- like higher front leg kick that reminds me of Royce Lewis, but also power, speed. He's one of those guys that has speed. Uh, pretty good contact. Maybe bat's a little bit more worrisome than maybe, like, Brooks Lee. But I think he's, like, five tools. And he got pushed up to double-A by the Angels. And so if you want to talk about proximity, he's mm-hmm. one of those guys that's pushed up. I actually think Neto versus Brooks Lee is, like, a really fascinating conversation because I think the bat – is more uh, higher upside projectable with Brooks Lee. But Neto's like a full package, and he might even be up a little bit sooner. So good job. Good job on uh, Mr. Zach Neto with the Angels, even though they what don't do, you th- like, do well with...
2: You know, who's there them to top. stop him? I mean, there's no, who's in that infield? You're like, oh boy, it's going to be a while before we see him. You know? Well, they're development
3: team. I mean, that's yeah. what I was trying to say. They're Angels development yeah, team. Well, yeah, they don't do a good saying. job with uh, any of their prospects. Damn so,
4: it! Yeah, yeah,
2: well, that's true. Uh, what do you think of that comp, Ben, between Lee and Neto? Like one better?
4: Well, I I, you know, I think you're you're right on. That's it's the two kind of your two top shortstops out of the college class. And really, that's it's they're two very different players as far as what they're I mean, they're both considered high floor type of guys for very different reasons. I think Nettle's probably because he's polished in a different way. His hit tools got to come along a bit for all of the other tools to play, but the other tools are really loud comparatively. Whereas Lee has got more of a polished hit tool and might not give you some of those other counting stats that you might want for fantasy reasons. He might not be a 20 home run guy. He might not be a 25 steal guy, but he also might hit 300 down the road a time or two. I don't know if NATO's ever going to really do that, but he might be the guy that gets you a 2020 season. So, I mean, there's kind of that where you weigh that in. And Lee does have the issue of he's in a system now with, you know, you've got Lewis there, you've got Correa signed for a while, you've got some other guys up the middle that now Lewis has already in his career shown that he's willing to move around a bit, but, you know, you've got some other guys in that system that are up the middle that, he's going to have to work around to get up and get a spot. So, I mean, there's, you know, yeah, if you're talking proximity, if you're looking at a comparison as to if I got to choose between the two, they're definitely for where I'm ranking them. You're talking about guys that are in that like six to 10 group, which is mostly college hitters for me. And really I can interchange any one of those guys and make a good argument. And to throw it's in, really I, have, a- I
3: have I have Neto at six, and I have Brooksley at seven, and that's how I have both of those guys. What's interesting is Brooksley, it's more perceived, but Brooksley looks like he's going to move off that position. Everybody is like, he hasn't made the move yet, or at least I haven't heard that he's going to pick up a third-base glove, but we're all <laughs> assuming like from the body perspective, from also what that team has with Correa, with Royce Lewis, with Polanco, that he's going to move and go and play third base, so he's not quite as blocked. But back to that point, also, like Neto got pushed so hard, I wouldn't be shocked if yeah. the Angels pushed him up this year. That wouldn't be anything at all, especially if he continues to dominate.
4: Yes. Well, and I think that's if a possibility. They're, if they're out, too. Yeah. I mean, if they're out of it and they don't have any reason to really, you know, worry about competing, why not give a guy like that run? Yeah. You know, so
2: what about this year? Helmut. What's up, Helmut? It's been forever. So good to see you. Give me two. Utah. You got it? Give me two. He says, what about Jace Young or Chase DeLouder? Is this a choice of safer floor versus riskier ceiling? Also, bad organization player development versus good? Mr. Welsh, what's your response to Young versus DeLouder?
3: Yeah, I mean, this is uh, pretty heavily for me in favor of Chase DeLauder. Chase Chase DeLauder at one point was seen as like the number one overall pick, and he kind of got... He kind of got deterred at the beginning of the college season last year with James Madison when he faced off against Florida State, like two of the best college pitchers in like, Parker Messick and I uh, completely just threw it through, uh, Bryce Hubbard. Uh, but those two guys just like really dominated him. But he ended yeah. up finishing still with a 400 batting average last year. He had eight homers, 10 stolen bases, just the overall like, Lack of adding to home runs kind of took him out of some of that conversation. I love the developmental team there, and I like it overall better than Jace Young. Um, Jace Jace Young, I'm a little bit concerned about the hit tool overall, even though, like, you know, he was a contact guy, his brother was kind of a contact guy over power, he's developed a little bit better. I'm just not sh- so sure we're going to get there. So I've got Jace Young quite a bit lower than Chase DeLauder. So I would take DeLauder and that college bat that is very, very high perceived in the industry as well, well where Jace Young, I just don't know if any if he, there's any tool that's going to be good. Uh,
4: well, that's and bad news. I drafted him I the other day know, in a different one. I don't know if he's not a terrible athlete, but young defensive actions just, I don't, they, they don't impress me. When I've watched him, I'm, I'm concerned that there's, he's not going to be an up the middle sort of guy down the road. I don't, I, I've never been a huge fan of him watching him at second base. Now, does that mean he's going to stick to first base? Not necessarily, but it might mean that he moves to a corner and that means that he's suddenly going to have to be, you're expecting more power out of a guy
0: mm-hmm.
4: and, and that's going to require a lot more out of that bat. And that's a big time difference there.
3: Yeah, I think it's a really good way to say it too. I want to throw out like, that's a good way to say it, that it's going to take more out of that bat. He had 335 at Texas Tech this past year with 14 homers, which was solid. And uh, also a good patient guy. I want to point out like in his pro debut, he did have 25 walks of 28 strikeouts, but the batting average really stunk. The uh, homers weren't there. Jace, uh, Josh Young kind of suffered from that a little bit early on. So like, I wouldn't take any of that away. I don't dislike Chase Jace, Jace Young, Jace Young, but I do think there was a period of time where he was felt to be much more of a high floor player. And I think there is just so mm-hmm. much more ceiling that has overpassed him. And like the one of those guys that I think is just in a better organization um, has probably a better opportunity for stealing. I think the hit tool is as at least comparable to Jace young and the power seems to be a little bit above. So that's why, like, that's an easy uh, chase to louder for me. But we'll see. We'll see if the Tigers can kind of buck that trend and start to develop some of these guys a little bit better. But, yeah, I mean, you know, history repeats itself sometimes.
2: I got to tell you, the Tigers actually have a lot of fun <laughs> players, even though everything looks so bad a few months ago. I look around. I've done a couple of these FYPDs and guys like Colt Keith. I liked what I saw out of him at AFL. I yep. uh, Ben Seal Perez, another guy, doesn't get as much pub. He's an interesting player. So we'll see. We'll see what goes well, on there. But fun
3: versus production, are, those are two different things. Like, yes, they have a lot of <laughs> fun guys. But like, you know, Yay! they've got Riley Green to me. Riley Green was one of like the most can't miss guys. Like, it's unbelievable to me. Great high school hitter. Uh, great hitter in the minors, future power to develop, easy future power to develop, can run. Uh, many, even when Spitzer Torkelson didn't have his complete like fall apart, many believed that Riley Green was exponentially better. Then Torkelson already at that point and was going to be better, and yet like Riley Green still hasn't developed. Torkelson was a huge step back last year, and then countless other players that haven't gone. You can't like always blame that, but there is something in that preparation that's falling apart from the translation between like double and triple A into the majors. And I've cited this four gajillion times, but Craig Council said it a couple of years ago: the biggest transition in baseball, we think it's like. I've always said, like, uh, you know, low A to high A or high A to double A. It's a triple A to the majors is an astronomical difference that you guys don't understand. And this was when he was citing, like, uh, Keston Hira. And I think we're seeing that something, and maybe it's more of the major league development or that transitional development from triple A, double A into the major. Something in there is breaking apart, or it is just truly the scouting department, you know, can't find the right players and is able to prop them up at the lower levels, which does happen sometimes. Go
4: Tigers. There, wow. There's something, there's something to be said for having that, yeah, that, that smooth transition all the way up from your complex all the way up to the major leagues, and that's, yeah. you know, the really good organizations. You can have a crappy farm system, and I'll, you know, I'll, I, I say that, you know, I cite the Braves a lot, but Dana Brown just got hired with the Astros in a large part because. He was a big part of developing what Alex Antopoulos did that basically has produced a a very deep system that continues to churn out guy after guy, even though that overall farm system really ain't that great. But each year, they produce one or two guys that supplements a team that competes every single year. And that's all it needs to do. But they have the system set up that they know guy gets to the complex, they know how to shuffle that guy up, And it's a consistent model all the way through. And that's what you have to be able to do. And there's something in that Tiger system that breaks down along the way.
3: You know, and it's funny. I I don't don't know what it is. Something that's in this conversation, I would just throw it to an overarching thing about first year player two is as much as everybody can uh, scout and, and there's a million different degrees of it. There are. People that go out and get to see these players every single day. They go to tournaments. There are people that kind of get one in and one out, which usually I am. I get to see some players. I watch video. There's people that extensively watch video. Whatever it is, there's a million different ways that you can go about this. But at the end of the day, it's a lot of guessing game. There's a big guessing game in it. And there's so much we don't know in the developmental process from guys that go to complex and play low A to the next year. I've seen guys, Brendan Marsh was amazing his rookie year and then had multiple years of failing. There are players that... Uh, fail in the early stages and then once they get into full season ball go that what I tend to kind of go with and try to hold on to tends to be a little bit more about the skill sets because the numbers don't necessarily tell us everything in the very beginning. Go with the skill sets, go with the high, you know, contact batting skills. Go with guys that have you know had pure raw power or you know pure great speed. And then you hope they can get into systems that are going to develop them properly. So like if someone gets like butthurt like oh Jay is lower, like then take him. You know, take him if you believe in that it's all a big guessing game. I, we probably have a lot more of a confidence level in like the top five or six and how they're going to work out. But then at the end of the day, especially for fantasy purposes, start filling out where you, if you really want to fill out those needs, go for it. You know, I'm going for a lot of high school guys that have way more risk, but at the end of the day, this developmental process is going to change so much. And we will look back as we've done in every first year player. And we'll be like, how in God's name was that guy going 15? How are we letting that guy go 15? (laughs) It is an
2: imperfect science. And I believe that. Did you know that we sold out and we now have advertisements? Yeah, we've gone mainstream. We're getting $6. That's right. We've made 6 bucks so far. Can you believe it? What a dream come true, $6. Anyways, I wanted to give you some preparation, some time to be cognizant that a commercial is coming your way. I'm not just going to throw a commercial mid-sentence on you. I wouldn't do that. I respect you, and I know that's annoying. So here's a countdown for the upcoming advertisement from Starbucks or Spectrum, Comcast, Apple, who the hell knows? Three, a two, one.
0: You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast.
2: That's putting it mildly, actually. That's putting it mildly. There it is. Uh, Anthony wants to know about this. In my AL-only league, I've got the 12th overall pick. Is it okay to take Lockyer over Beaver and Barriera? I really like Lockyer, and I don't see him making it back to my second pick. Is that a right thought to have?
3: Uh, I really like Dylan Beavers, so I'm going to go with Dylan Beavers. But Lockyer is um, definitely moving up. Big power bats and big hard hit numbers. I'm actually hoping to, that's when one of the guys I'm really focused on uh, camps. I live out here in Arizona. Camps are opening up next week. That's one of those minor leaguers I really want to take a bigger, better look at. But um, I am, I would go Beavers, then Lockyer, and then uh, Barrera is a great young pitcher. But, you know, young pitching, there, there's a lot of depth in there. What'd you say, with AL only? That's fine. That's, you know, that's probably equivalent to having him ranked around... 25, you know, 25, that range. And I think there are some people, I don't have him that high. Um, But like I said, I would go with Dylan Beavers first.
2: Yeah. We talked about Barriera last week when we had uh, Jeff Ponce on, right, Ben? Yeah. Talked about
4: him with the Blue Jays system. And
2: yeah, he's, you know, and that kind of, you know,
4: getting into Barriera like kind of leads into, you know, we just had the announcement today that uh, Jackson Wiggins is going to miss this year for Arkansas. So there's kind of your first big, you know, he's a top 50 guy for next year's draft. And that seemed to happen a lot for this last year's draft class for pitchers, which that really kind of makes this year's FYPD class a lot more risky. You know, you mentioned the risk of, of, uh, you know, that you're weighing risk when you go in. And that's really what kind of does it this year with pitchers overall. And, I mean, Lesko is about the only guy you see – In the top twenty for sure, and even in top twenty-five, in a lot of places, he's about the only pitcher you consistently see is Dylan Lesko. Tommy John's
3: everywhere. Every freaking pitcher had Tommy John. I mean, that's what like Landon Sims, Lesko, Hunter Barco, uh, a million others. And I'll tell you this though: you say risky, I actually think it's the inverse. I think all of these surgeries and the down tick in all these pitchers has made them way more affordable. And it caught your capital yeah. of what you have to take is so much less that this year it's really, really palatable and it might tick over from last year. The only problem is, is like Delander, at Tennessee is going to be like the number one overall pick, probably oh. even over Dylan Cruz. Yeah. And then we are going to have to battle what do we do with him in fantasy and where do we go, especially after a year where we got all these values. Imagine the person that's like, why would I take the third overall pick a pitcher when I got Brock Porter in the third round. And now this guy is a top 20, you know, I'm just hyper- yeah. hyperbole here, but like uh, he is now the top, uh, you know, 15 overall uh, pitcher in the minor leagues. A lot of those values are going to affect next year. And I think it's fair to also say like, my God, what are we in for, for the college pitching class of next year for fantasy? If that is a need, I don't know what it looks like yet.
4: Yeah, cause <sighs> I don't, I'm, I'm in a, uh, I was in an uh, FYPD that got put together, kind of some different folks. A couple of there was a couple of CBS guys and a couple of NBC folks and whatnot, and just some random dudes off of here, there, and everywhere, and um,
3: Craigslist and just Con- some random dudes. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah, there you go. You know, we just all kind of picked some dude up at Circle got K, and we Conor- had this great draft. <laughs> yeah, you know, Connor Prelip went in the seventh round. And I went, holy! there's a guy who, you know, if they don't figure out a third pitch for that guy, he's up in the majors and he and Duran are maybe one of the best one, two punches in the back of a bullpen in, you know, two, three years, if they decide that's the route they want to go, because that's the type of arm he has. That's a tremendous value for the quality of pitcher that he is. And to get him that late, I went, wow, that's. Cause I went past him a number of times myself and did, I wasn't the guy who ended up picking him, but I kept going, geez, I, I just can't quite pull the trigger. And there was somebody else I would every time. And wow, Connor is really, so, really interesting, yeah.
3: but, but also like, um, I, I think I had this conversation. I want to say it might've been with uh, Jeff Ponce as well, but like, there is something to consider that at some point they're all going to have surgery and, it's almost better sometimes to have these college kids just let them have surgery, just let them have the Tommy John, get it out of the way. You know, you're safe for a while so that, that there's a lot of upside, I think. Like, if I'm attacking a first year player, I want the first two rounds to be hitters. Okay, if I'm in points or really deep league, maybe it's different, but in theory, I want it to be like two hitters and the third round. Just like, let me have somebody like, let me have uh, jerpy. Let me have uh Miseraco. Let me have um, Brock Porter, Landon Sims with I'm a Homer Diamondbacks, But Landon Sims was potentially one of the best college pitchers before he had Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Let me have these guys and reap the rewards because next year's class is also very hitter friendly at the top. There's a lot of good hitters. So if you have no. pitching in your mind in first year player, I would actually start to plan out because I'm probably looking at stacking a couple hitters next year. I want to stack a couple of the top two round hitters here. And then maybe even rounds three, four, and five, depending your need, you're going to get incredible values of guys that are at least going to have a lot of these injuries out of the way. And you're getting extensive value that is all based off of injuries. Hunter Barco is one I keep going on about. He made like incredible strides last year at Florida. I didn't like him uh, the year prior, but all of a sudden he started throwing strikes. He had like three or four pitches. He was going, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball uh, in uh, college baseball. And then you had Tommy John surgery. He is going to be probably going way past pre-lip. Like that's one of those guys I'd love to get right now, get the break off and just sit on him for a tiny bit. And the payoff will be huge. Hopefully huge. It's a pirate. So I don't
0: know. <laughs> I got to think oh, about it.
3: He's pirate.
2: Pirate. Yeah, it's fair. Totally fair.
4: But, and he was in high school. He was the type of guy. I mean, he was a top 10, top 15 type of guy coming out of high school. And if I'm not mistaken, he enrolled early. And I think so a player too. Either I, read, that or,
3: I don't remember. I, I think it was like, regardless regardless like
4: he, Spencer Jones, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, he ended up getting to college and a lot of folks didn't think he would thought he would be a really, really early pick. So he's kind of had some eyes on him for a while. I mean, this a is time. a elite yeah. level raw talent that, you know, now, yeah, you're gonna get him at, in you know late in your FYPD. So I mean there's something to work with there. And yeah.
2: Damn Skippy. We love giving you something to work with here on the Palazzo Podcast. 2L's, We're here with Give me is two. It the Welsh? Yes, it is. It's the one and only Chris Welsh in this league podcast with his pal Bogman. Shout out to Boggs. Hope you're doing well wherever you are right now at this very moment, Boggs. <laughs> oh, that's for you. And then Anthony wants to say for the record that I am his boy, Blue. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Thank you. That's very kind of you. I appreciate that. You're a sweet man. And before we wrap up the show. You're my boy, Blue. What about this one? You're my boy. Is Collier over Parada silly, Mr. Welsh? Collier over Parada. I have him. I have Collier
3: over uh, Parada in my own personal ranks. Though I do like Kevin Prada more than it seems like everybody else. I still have him very high. Collier is higher. Kim Prada was uh, one of the best hitters in college baseball, 27 homers. I think at Georgia tech Uh, consistently hit for high contact. Uh, I mean, this is a pro pro player. I think he is actually the future built catcher that this team is wanting as you're seeing like more util and DH talk around uh, Francisco Alvarez, which also is kind of funny that like he was untouchable, you know, like in the Juan Soto trade stuff, like they would never consider Francisco Alvarez and they just kind of you know, built up that system more with a catcher. Uh, I like Kevin Prada. I think he's going to be up way sooner than cam Collier, but I think cam Collier's talent is too, uh, too beautiful for me to pass up. So no, that is not a crazy thing to do.
2: I didn't think it was. I just thought I'd ask it. We'd like to please the listeners and the commenters here on the Palazzo podcast. I want to cover one more thing before we go just to get it on the record, because we didn't talk about Senga or Yoshida. These are newcomers and they are going to be drafted high. So it's really not even up for debates. But I just, I just curious what you have to think about these two and where to draft them. Do you think any one of them is overrated? I guess is really my question at this time, Chris.
3: Yeah, I I mean, I'm, I'm. God, I feel like I'm going to eat my words on this because I've been talking about this a lot. But it's like Yoshida. Like I'm just not into Yoshida. Like the, yeah. It's hard to say that he's overrated because he's going so late, except when every projection system. I think we just did an episode on in this league pod where Derek Cardi came on and we were talking about the bad X projections. And he was just like, Yoshida was projected. out as like the 25th best hitter in baseball. And that's what I, that's insane to me. And I, yeah. I acknowledge I'm, I'm doing stuff you shouldn't do sometimes, but like I was telling Derek, like you go and look at Seo Suzuki and Seo Suzuki's translation of 37 homers in the pond came down to 14 stolen bases, came down, batting average came down. He was a 300 hitter. Didn't hit 300. I look at Yoshida and I go, okay, he was a three thirty hitter. He could probably still have high contact. He doesn't steal. We're translating like 21 homers down to 19 on Steamer. That seems too high. I think the expectations are sky high with Yoshida. The problem is is he just doesn't cost a bunch. So if I had to pick one, I'd pick him. I'm very excited to see Senga. I'm very excited to see the Ghost. I'm very excited to see the whole repertoire and being able to work with guys like Verlander and Scherzer. And I think he's coming at a great cost. They're both about the same age. Um, But I probably just won't have a bunch of Yoshida shares where I would with uh, Kodai Senga.
2: Ben?
4: I think There's a lot of people out there who are looking at Yoshida and they're thinking, you know, he had kind of a career year last year. And they're thinking, well, you know, now he's ready. He's going to come over. He's going into Fenway. And so therefore, we're going to, you know, AL East Parks, we're going to get a 25 home run guy. Yeah. And so, you know, we're going to get, he's going to be able to hit for a good average. I think if you're really, really lucky, you're going to get your, you know, Rusty Greer like you're going to get a good <laughs> average and you know good ba- good on base and probably 15 home runs. You know, he might he might pound the gaps. I mean, he might play pepper with that wall. That he might do that. But I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of balls that leave the yard and he's not going to steal. I I don't know if Rusty Greer ever had a like a 10 steal season but he was a guy you wanted to own as your like fifth outfielder but he was never a guy you wanted as you know a guy you drafted as the first outfielder on your league you, you know? know what stands and out
3: that's... with yoshida is in first year players actually the thing that stands out over anything cuz i was t- i was citing like redraft uh, stuff it's like you know 170s yeah. or whatever but in first year player most people have him at like 6 and that's hard to stomach when you think about that. It's like an almost 30-year-old hitter yeah. that really has limit. It feels like limited upside. That's where he's in your face about being like a bus, where it's like, am I passing up Brooks Lee for Yoshida? Well, people in proximity who need help now, they're going to want to do that. I think it's going to feel like a mistake in your first-year player when you start to pass up Neto, Brooks Lee. I'd even say Kevin Parada. That's going to long-term feel like a mistake. I might be wrong. Eat my words. He has... 20 you know 20 homers and is hitting 300 and is one of the top 25 best hitters in baseball eat the words okay we move on that doesn't really seem to traditionally be the thing we see with these like older players that we kind of inject into first year players so much so that i actually don't rank uh either senga or yoshida on my first year player ranks though i tell people where i relatively have them like senga's at five and i think Mm. yoshida i have around like Nine or eleven or something like that. I'm taking Brooksley. I'm taking Neto over him because I just don't want to have that long term regret, even for a little bit of now production.
2: Damn! Hell yes, that's a great way to close it out. By the way, Rusty Greer had 31 career steals and twice stole nine bases in a season. Ben, very close Ooh. to cracking double digits in '97 and '98, back to or '96 '97, back to back nine steal seasons from the legend himself. Rusty, Yeah, I,
4: I owned, I owned him in a number of fantasy leagues in the late '90s, and so I remember, <laughs> I liked him because he always helped my batting average. But that was a don't take yourself, yeah. yourself too much, Ben. Don't take
2: yourself. That's uh, fresh content, though, Chris. You're not going to hear anybody else talking about Rusty Greer from a fantasy perspective, except on the (laughs) Palazzo podcast, my friends. There it is. We did it. We talked a little FYPD. We do it quick. We do it simple. We get the hell out of here. We want to thank Chris Welsh for joining us. If you don't know who he is by now in this league, that's the stable. He's doing extra work through there. You can follow him on Twitter at is it? It is. Isn't it, Chris? Is it you? Isn't it? I know it's you. It is. God it is. actually is. That's what people did that. That's why I did that. People were like, "Wait,
3: it's the Welsh?" I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's the name. Bogman <laughs> gave me that name. I didn't ask for the the on it, but you know what? Take it where I got it, and that's how we got the Twitter handle. Is it the Welsh? It is.
2: You damn right, it is. Make sure you follow them. Give them all the love. In this league rules, one of the best shows that ever graced the airwaves. Are we on airwaves? We do podcasts. I mean, we stream are, waves. Like, I feel like stream, stream waves. waves sounds right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like the way to cruise. Uh, ben Rotoballer works cruising along, right? it is it's coming slow but
4: sure but uh yeah it is <laughs> that's fine just, it's it's the end of basketball season right now i quite literally have six week six nights of basketball this week so oh wow it is insane um and playoffs start not this coming weekend but the weekend after so that's it'll be it'll keep me busy
2: but playoffs
4: Okay, yeah, well, right. well,
2: I love those playoffs. Everybody, <laughs> thanks so much. It's Benjamin Chase. Follow him on Twitter, Big Gentle Ben. I'm Michael Gobier, MJ Gobier, 2Ls, two 2Zs, two Palazzo Podcast. Thanks everybody for participating. You And we'll catch you next time. Bye bye. Oh, Times, but it might just save your life that's the power of prospects that's the power of prospects
3: the new superbeats Heart chews advanced is now supercharged with coq ten. Support your healthy coq ten levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats and save 15% with promo code DEAL.